Fit Nation. It's Fit Nation. Awesome. Pour me, pour me another drink. Cause I don't wanna feel a thing no more. Hell no. I just wanna sip it till the pain wears off. Make them drink strong, cause brother she's gone. And if I'm ever gonna move on, I'ma need some whiskey glasses. Cause I don't wanna see the truth. She's probably making out on the couch right now with someone new. Yeah, I'ma need some whiskey glasses. If I'm gonna make it through. If I'ma be single, I'ma need a Make them drink strong, cause brother she's gone. And if I'm ever gonna move on, I'ma need some whiskey glasses. Cause I don't wanna see the truth. She's probably making out on the couch right now with someone new. Yeah, I'ma need some whiskey glasses. If I'm gonna make it through. If I'ma be single, I'ma need a If she ain't ever coming back, line em up, line em up, line em up, line em up, knock em back, knock em back, knock em back, knock em back, fill em up, fill em up, fill em up, fill em up, cause if she ain't ever coming back, I'ma need some whiskey glasses, cause I don't wanna see the truth.
Fit Nation. Fit Nation. If you're a veteran and you're struggling or feel like you're leading a path towards that darkness, stop and think about those who are around you. Think about how they truly value you, how they will miss you. You're not alone. You need to talk to someone. Someone will listen to you. If you feel like you'll be a burden to someone or you're embarrassed to talk to your inner circle of friends and family, don't hesitate to call the hotline at 988 and press option one. That's 988 and press option one. Do not make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, thanks for joining us. Please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. That's the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe, click the bell. This will keep you up to date on all our latest shows, news, episodes, and if we go live. And of course, stories of our great guests. Speaking of which, our next guest has created a successful real estate career beginning in the immediate aftermath of the recession of 2009. Over the years, he has seen the way people live and work from a wide array of vantage points. Currently, he operates multi, multiple rental, flip, rent-to-own, and networking companies on a professional level. In the unpaid arenas of his life, he runs the podcast Father and Joe, where they attempt to return individuals to a place of faith in their lives. So without further ado, let's welcome Joe Rocky to the Misfit Nation. Welcome, Joe. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, man, it's awesome to be able to connect like this, a fellow podcaster, a man of faith, a man that's uh, been successful in multiple areas. It's good to have you on here and uh, just chat with you. I mean, uh, I'm not offended by the Steeler stuff on your headphones, <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that in here. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, it's always good to have something to fall back on. Uh, you guys are going to have a good team, I think, this year, a new young team, so you should be all right. I believe so, too. <laughs> Hopefully. I'll put the quotes for you. <laughs> So Joe, if you don't mind, uh, tell the Misfit Nation a little bit about yourself from as far back as you want to go, excluding anything I just threw out there, and tell the truth now besides what I said. <laughs> yeah, well, you didn't give you weren't wrong, so we'll start with all that stuff. Nothing you said there was wrong. So yeah, like I said, I I, I came out of college with the um, the recession looming. I had a double major in accounting and finance, and I I shot some targets down in the beginning of that year before the recession really took in so some good accounting gigs and said no to them and and when we were in the second half of the year i'm seeing uh all of my options i thought i was gonna get better just disappeared because um the jobs just weren't there in fact actually people who did accept those various positions were getting rescinding letters so fast forward i ended up being at a firm that sold life insurance and annuities because they will take anyone um as long as you can uh talk a little bit because you're only paid if you sell if you don't sell it doesn't matter to them so I, I was there rookie of the year the first year underclassman second year and third year i left um to start my real estate businesses and i did uh pretty much everything you can do in the worlds of being a real estate investor i've done flips i've done straight rentals i've done networking sales where i buy a house and sell it to a guy who wants to flip it more than i do and then I've done rent to own. So pretty much all of that stuff along the way you can do. We started the very first flip in, uh, what is it? June of uh, 11. So I've been doing it for over 11 years here now. And um, it's been going pretty awesome ever since. And so that was the first part. And then in terms of what I do with Father and Joe, that began in 2017. 
And it really goes to the aim of the introduction of what you were saying there, as far as there will always be someone out there for you. Now we look at it in the context of God, but really what it is, is conversation about relationships. And every episode we try to point out something that is going to benefit you as the individual listener, um, as well as society's large if you implement that. So that's really how we, we drive Father and Joe to try to give people direct messages that are with actions that you can implement in your life that will make your life a little bit better today than it was yesterday by increasing these relationship skills that most people don't really think about and or want to improve. And they kind of hit autopilot um, and just kind of live their life in whatever groove they're at. You definitely see uh, those who just uh, stay with the status quo, I'd call them. Uh, they don't want to take the challenge or, or push down that wall that's in front of them or that they put up in front of them to keep that safety net that helps them to feel comfortable at night. And I think that handicaps a lot of, a lot of people that could be a lot more successful in life. It just depends on what their definition of success at that point is, I believe. Well, absolutely. I mean, you're, you're hundred percent true. And it's a challenge that I see put on me when I talk to people say, Oh, you do a podcast about religion essentially. And you see all these walls come flying right up because when you talk about God or religion, whatever term you want to use it, people instinctually go to those places inside of them that they want to hide and they don't want ever to talk about in public, but that's not really the way you should address problems. It's not that we're trying to, to poke a bruise or to point out your failures when you're younger, because the bottom line is we all have those. We all have things that happened a way we wish they didn't, whether it be something we can control that way, or not. And really, it's looking at, at those types of situations and go with your current mind today, because our mind is always evolving. That is one thing that's true with all people. You don't think about the same things the way you did when you were 12, as you do when you're 22, as you do when you're 32, and obviously so on and so forth. So when we look back at these situations that are, we're building these walls to protect why well like like when we look at it with today's mind was it really that bad or did i overcome it and things work out all right and with that being said if i already had the skill set of becoming better and addressing life's problems what makes me think i can't handle this one here with wherever my mind's at, at this point in life so there is no need to put up those walls and barriers especially with relations um, relationships within our lives definitely <clears throat> i agree 100 percent that uh and I think that has stopped a lot of, especially in the last two years when people became just enclosed in a box and talking through social media only, they forgot mm-hmm. to how to communicate with a human and, or a live human, I should say. They talk to an avatar, they talk to the person that's in the box in front of them, but not, yeah. so they're a lot braver behind a computer than they are when they go out to say, let's shake hands and have a cup of joe. They don't do the same thing. Absolutely. And and to that point, I mean, that was kind of the impetus that got me to want to start doing my podcast in 17 was because the transition between Trump and Obama, it seemed like the whole country either became Fox people or CNN people, at least on the internet, that's what it seemed like. The reality is more people didn't care than ever. Um, But if you go on the internet, it, it all became this divide. And no matter where you look in human history, anytime a culture has gotten a divide where one side will not talk to the other side. It has been a giant problem. 
And almost always it has ended in one of three scenarios. When it gets to the worst case, they go to war with someone else. They go to war with themselves or they do a genocide, which is just the way of saying a really one-sided war. Um, that's basically what happens when you fa- fail to be able to communicate with each other. Um, you know, thankfully, I'm glad that we have this ability to have communication like this. And I'm glad that we have at the end of the day, capitalism to overcome that because in capitalism, it doesn't matter who you are. Your money spends just as much as some other customers. I want to make you happy. I want to make you a customer. And we're going to make this work. And I really do think that at the end of the day, capitalism can be a solution, not the only one, but can be a solution to getting past these divide problems. Um, you know, as Michael Jordan said, Republicans buy shoes too. So why should I make all these political statements? You know, it's a fact. So why divide? Why, why cause division when there's ways around that? And, you know, that's, that's really how I try to approach my business and life overall. You know, there's plenty of my clients, my tenants that don't agree and definitely did not vote the same way I did. And I'm okay with that. And there's plenty that did. It didn't make them a bad or worse tenant. What makes them a good or bad tenant is do they uphold their end of the agreement, which is going to be a case-by-case basis. And I like when the, when someone was, especially when you said the period right after Obama and Trump did the transition and we had that basically the parting of the Red Sea there, mm-hmm. a lot of people thought if you were on one side, you would not talk to them or you shouldn't talk to them. But I would, mm-hmm. only, I guess like Sweden, I'd go and just have coffee with anybody, just talk to you. I need to hear your opinion so I understand where you're coming from and you should hear mine and actually listen so that you can hear where I'm coming from. And maybe we can both see that we're both trying to find the same thing, a better community, a better neighborhood, a better city. And then now all of a sudden lights will go on and say, Hey, maybe we're fighting for no reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And the, the fact that we're not doing that is how the States dealt with COVID. I mean, it's the biggest case in point because if it really were each of us, trying to talk to each other and figure out we would have seen effectively 50 different solutions of how to deal with the COVID situation, not two that were strictly determined by what party your governor was in. You know, it's pretty black and white. The Midwest stayed open and the coast closed down. Um, Why? Look, Look at the governor. It's the biggest indicator of how your state went. If you had a Democrat, you got shut down. If you had a Republican, it didn't. And that's not a good way to govern people like like whether regardless of which side you think is right it's not a good way to govern the better way would be let's look at some facts do some test studies see if that worked and then adjust as we go along because you also can't tell me that states like michigan and california have the same weather when we know that weather affects this disease like i'm pretty sure lake effect snow makes you inside more and you get it inside so why are they shut down or say this another way, why is the place with the biggest beachfront property in the world shutting down the same as the lakefront area or as, as, the, as the snow area? So pretty common sense question that should be allowed to be asked every once in a while. But so I would understand if there was geographical concerns about the way we dealt with it or any problem. And, and I just use COVID as an example there, but you have to be willing to do what you said. Talk to the other side. Find out what's going on because at the end of the day, there normally is common ground. There's not common ground with every culture in the world, but there's probably common ground between you and your neighbor, you and the guy who's also um, in your building where you work at. So there doesn't need to be divides. And the fact that the internet is just trying to turn the other side into Hitler so you don't need to talk to him is not the way to build a society. Just end of story. Exactly. 
and and with that let's uh let's go into your your day jobs so yeah <laughs> jobs you have uh you said flipping uh were you a, a hammer knock down the wall guy rebuild or or just the sales side of it uh sale and resale I, I was sailing. I, I did both. So, so I've said I, I have sold and resold properties. We've done absolutely zero work to, and I've done that with properties that we've completely overhauled. Um, that being said, I had no idea how to fix anything when I first bought my first house that needed a lot of work. And the, the cruise kind of took me for a ride because when I began, I figured I was going to be dealing with adults who were going to do their word and do what they said. And I very quickly learned the hard way <laughs> that that's not the case. And, you know, most people who start doing flips don't realize that, 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 that there's a different element of being a manager with someone in that capacity. And especially if you've never managed anyone before. Um, and there's even a bigger element, which scares a lot of people from running their own business of living only on commission. Most people would rather get paid vastly less, but if they know it's coming every Friday, I'm going to sign up for that than the potential of getting just one mega paycheck, but I might not know when that's coming or, um, or ever get it, quite frankly. I mean, that risk is there too. There's always a risk of losing money, which I did on my first one because I didn't know what I was doing at all. <laughs> it was bad. So like you said, your first one, uh, when you went into that, uh, you, you broke your cherry with a flip. So mm-hmm. you went in there and eyes wide open, like kid in the candy store probably, like you said, you didn't know how to fix anything or manage the contractor, subcontractor side of it. Mm-hmm. So what lesson, you took a lot of lessons from that to go to your other businesses. What are one or two of them that helped you build your other side of real estate a lot better? Yeah, so I did something that basically society tells me I shouldn't do, and I got really good at it. I learned how to judge people, um, especially in the interview process. Uh, before I started giving them checks, knowing what the red flags were. I mean, I was able to know what the obvious red flags were, but to know what the more subtle industry red flags were, um, to, to, know, uh, to know what to, to avoid. So that was a big part of the starting point was, was learning what to judge people upon. Um, it, not the superficial parts, but the actual, what are they going to, what is when they're here two weeks from now, what is it actually going to look like? Am I going to have a bunch of people working hard doing it stuff or is there going to be two guys sitting around while there's maybe two guys working and there's two guys on a a lunch run like like what what's what's it really going to be and how do we dive into figuring that out and part of that's experience but the other part of it came up with just having the courage to be more direct with people you know and there's a possibility that like that the NFL combine, I asked some questions that maybe legally I wouldn't be allowed to ask if I was in a different industry. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I need to know if what's going to happen. If I'm about to sign a contract where I'm going to give you $25,000, I need to know you're going to be there. And um, that's, that's the kind of courage stuff that, that I really tried to figure out early on. And that was the gap of knowledge that took me losing money to figure out how to do it. Cause I knew I wasn't going to lose the money again. So it became a lot easier to say, you know, I don't care if you get mad at me. I never see you again. And you're just not in the list I call next time. So that was the thought. And you spoke about judging and most people will judge you not on the amount of times that you fall down or lose money. It's how many times you actually got back up and made money after mm-hmm. that. So that's the way it should be looked at. Of course, you know, there'll be those class half full people who will say he's always failing. He, he Every time he sells a house, he loses, he sells it under margin. So he doesn't make it. 
but you have you have to take the good with the bad there and um, in real estate is a, a gamble no matter how you look at it from any side right now with the the market here is insane uh houses are selling for two hundred thousand more than they're worth that's mm-hmm. just insanity at, at best i'd call it but uh, i'm sitting on mine because i don't feel like moving and getting right back in the same rat race so <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be a giant problem because it's by definition, that's a bubble. Um, and, you know, the one thing that's true with the economy is where real estate goes, the rest of it follows. So right now we're living in this artificial zone um, that's going to slow down quickly as these interest rates keep going up. But it's, um, it, it's, it's basic supply and demand, um, depending upon which, which city or state are you in? I'm in uh, Clarksville, Tennessee. Tennessee. Okay. So not as bad as some of the, the other ones. You guys weren't shut down as horribly as, as, as some of the other states where uh, Pennsylvania was shut down incredibly badly. Um, and to the point where if we had people working on a property, if there was no one living in that house, like if it was a vacant property, our crews would get kicked out and we'd get fined. In some cases, people were threatened with jail time. So at the end of the day, the only houses that really sold during COVID and to a large extent this summer um, in our state, and there's still states that are shut down horribly, like California, um, that there's no supply. There, there's no houses that should have been fixed up and re-put on the market. All there is is people moving for life reasons. I, I need a bigger house because I got another kid. I need a downsize or whatever. But there's not the the normal percentage of renovated properties that just get recycled back into the housing market. You know, in some ways, flippers are like recycle men, but for real estate, we find things that are broken and we make it pretty again. I mean, that that's a very necessity job for a, a neighborhood and for a society. You don't want once one house goes bad, no one ever fixes it. And there's lots of reasons, you know, houses go bad. You know, people get old. They don't upkeep it as they go. Some lady just likes the way it looked whenever she first moved in in the 60s. And I don't I mean people like it now. Um so there's a need for it. Um, and there's a lot of risk, as you said. So therefore, there's going to be times you hit a home run and there's going to be times you strike out. That's that's a nature of the gamble of it. But the long story short is those houses didn't exist. So that's why now we have properties for sale because there's not as much competition in terms of the supply side. Um, and the other part of this is foreclosures aren't really allowed to happen right now. Because when the courts got shut down, they, um, they, they flat out didn't give the supply for flippers to get the houses. Because a lot of the houses um, that flippers get come from landlords that have bad tenants, don't want to be landlords anymore, so they just sell the house. Mom died, and the kids don't want to fix it up. Or a bank doesn't want to hold this house after evicting someone. Those are the three main ways that, that flips happen. And if your state said you weren't allowed to evict anyone nor were you allowed to foreclose on anyone. Well, now you're only dealing with properties that mom died in, um, which obviously that happens every day. You can't control that, but it's not the majority of properties that get the flips, let alone the government saying you're not allowed to do it. So some states you were allowed to do it, some states you aren't, um, but the foreclosure end of this equation is going to make this entire bubble explode because banks won't keep taking losses forever. Banks are going to want to get paid. They're the number one industry you don't mess with. Them and oil. Um, don't mess with banks. And when they start getting allowed to evict people, it's going to be just like uh, the um, uh, normal evictions for rentals. 
a judge can evict 20 people in a day. I mean, it's not really hard when the math is you haven't paid in forever. What's your excuse? You have to move on because um, they, they're no longer accepting COVID as an excuse. So especially given the fact that in Pennsylvania, the tenant could have applied and gotten all of their rent paid for them, but they had to fill out a couple of forms. It's amazing how many tenants weren't even willing to do that. Wow. Um, so you look at it and goes, well, that's reality. This is where we're going to be. And also Congress can't keep printing money forever. Even they're learning that's a bad idea. Um, so it's, it's getting to the point where it's going to be much worse than 09 or, or, or 08. Um, much, much worse. Um, and, and for the large part, the people who caused this by not paying are going to be the ones who get the hardest hammer with it. Because for the next five years, rents will be through the roof because there will be no supply. Tons of people evicted means tons of demand. And I'm going to be the most selective landlord on the planet. If you or any person who's living in this house got evicted during COVID, you will never be my tenant. And for Pennsylvania, that's on your record for eight years. So go somewhere or some guy who doesn't pay for background checks um, because you ain't coming here. I've seen that here a lot uh, over the past, I guess, six months. People go on the, the local chats and say, are there any private landlords, not those that are managed by our property management or, or, or private landlords that don't do background checks? Because my credit's bad and I have the cash, but my credit's bad. Those are two, I mean, that's red flag for me. I'm not a, I'm not a landlord. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, my, my rent to own side, I deal with a lot of people who have bad credit, but I still check to see why. Um, so it, in my rent to own side, it's mostly people who have no idea how credit worked when they were young or that a divorce attorney told them to kill their credit out of spite. So I end up getting a lot of single mothers that are in a state of just complete flux of their life. Cause they're going through a divorce. They got to find a new house. Um, and they want a landlord who's not going to micromanage them with the opportunity of this being my house forever. Cause I tell people, you know, this isn't going to be a landlord tenant relationship. This is a buyer seller relationship. You know, at the end of the day, I'm not going to come bother you. You can paint your girl's room, Barbie pink, you know, Batman black for your kid's room. I don't care. Um, but at the end of the day, it also makes you responsible for shoveling the snow and cutting the grass and all that fun stuff. So it's, it's a trade-off. You're getting a whole lot more privacy, but you're also become responsible for the uh, responsibilities of this property. Right. In 2008, uh, when the, the bubble burst the last time, I was in Korea, so I, I missed it. I, I came home in 10, and it was kind of the – I was about to go, go again somewhere else right away. So I just got rented a house and came back, and the guy was real good about it. He's like, all right, yeah, you guys can stay. And all of a sudden, he called and said, I'm coming back in 30 days. You got to be out. So, Whoa. All right. So I went on a run to get off my anger. And we found a house that was getting built. So I put a, put a bid on it. We won it. And that was 2010, 11. I mean, it was 2011 when we actually bought the house. And we stayed in that until COVID. And then my, my wife wanted to move a little further outside the bubble of the city. So we went for a drive again. And we found this place. So I put that one on the market. And I, I didn't think it would sell. I said, it's not going to sell. People are not working, not doing anything. I went on a trip. My realtor called me. Hey, uh, you got a full price offer. I said, you're joking, right? Am I getting punked right now? Is there a camera on me? What's going on? And she said, no, it's real. You got an offer. I said, let's take it. The owner of this place already said, yes. I said, we got it. Let's one for one. 30 days, let's get in there. But it, that's like a magical thing to happen like that all at once within two days, both both offers being accepted and both things starting the closing process. So it was pretty cool for us. 
That is cool. Yeah. Not, not too many people are able to thread those needles like that. It's very challenging to do that. Yeah, it was, I, I was, I thought I was getting pumped for real. I, I didn't, did not believe it at first, but it was a happy ending, I guess. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then my daughter, uh, she would decide she was going to buy a house not long after that. And hers, you know, a little lower uh, income rate there. So that level of housing was going by the time they even put the MLS in, it was sold. Wow. So she'd go to look at a house and it was already sold. So she couldn't, I said, you need to just take a day off. As soon as they tell you to go, go look at thumbs up, thumbs down, walk away. And that's what they finally had to do. Yeah. It, it, well, I, again, and that's just basic supply and demand. There, there wasn't enough supply for the amount of people out there. Um, and, you know, on the one hand, it, it, it's for people who are, are going to operate in terms of the banks, giving out lots of line of credits or lots of a lots of adjusting rate mortgages where people's plan is just to refinance it. This is where it's going to be a problem because your appraisal you're going to get three years from now, it's not going to be as high as what it is today, no matter where you are. Um, and then the, it's more so true. The, the more your state was shut down, um, but it, it's a big problem. And the bigger problem on the national perspective for banks is, all of the expensive cities, or at least the most expensive cities you can think of, are all in states that really got shut down. Um, California, New York, Chicago, um, you know, Philly. Um, you, you go through it, 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 it there's going to be some problems and some ramifications for that um, from a national perspective. And I really hope the worst economic sentence I ever heard in my life doesn't pop its ugly head back up, which was too big to fail. Oh, no, yeah. that don't exist. Anyone can fail. Yes. And just buying out people who paid you to become president is not an acceptable answer. Um, and, and both of them did it. Bush did it and Obama did it. Um, that, that, that's not a party line thing. Both of them were equally culpable in horrible economic policy. Definitely. And, and uh, all those states you mentioned, they're all flocking to here. Uh, all the people that are seeing those states are coming here. So yeah. you got a large influx of Californians, uh, Michigan deers. Uh, northeast uh name any state in the northeast they're coming down here so it's kind of kind of crazy now yeah i got I, I went down to an lsu uh alabama game and i gotta tell you i first time ever i was like i, I could live in baton rouge i was like i've never been there before but that was the possibly the greatest tailgate i've ever been in my life <laughs> but um but but it's it's true it's all those states that have an sec team in them but let, let's rather be there and i just hope you don't get overwhelmed and stupefied by the rest of the country <laughs> we do too <laughs> <laughs> oh man so joe if you can give a a person starting out in real estate investing flipping whatever part of the real estate world uh three bits of advice on how to get in stay uh, focused in it and become successful what would that be so you need to know what you're good at in the starting process and like any business this is going to be all about sales. I mean, every business is about sales when you really boil it down to it. And there's three elements of sales. Do you have enough people coming into your donut shop? Do your donuts price at the price where people want them? And then when people finally get the donuts, are they going to come back and like them? So if you look at it from that capacity, those are the three umbrellas of sales. The first one is, are you looking at enough properties where you'll be able to buy it at a low enough rate? The second part is, are you able to negotiate that low enough rate where you can consistently get it 
And the third one being with the property you just acquired, are you able to turn that into appropriate revenue by flipping it, selling it to another investor or renting it? Because those are basically your three options. So figure out which one of those three, ideally two of the three that you're good at. Because most people are only good at two of the three and sometimes only one of the three, which is fine. But you need to find partners that can do the other elements. So for me, I hate the process that fills my calendar. I am not good at it. I've always hated prospecting. I like being in the field, talking to people, looking at houses, talking to them about what went on here, um, you know, all of that fun stuff. But I hate being in front of a computer, making the machine work that fills up the calendar. So I found people that did. And I found people that are really good at it. Um, and they just, you know, at the end of the day, they fill up my calendar before COVID. I was in 20 to 40 houses a month or a week rather. And when you do that and you only need one house, maybe two houses a month you need to buy. And you were just in 80 to 140 of them. You can be really selective when you only need two. Um, so it, it works out really good. They, they, you, then at that point, you're buying houses that you can't lose in. And that really is the secret. Um, you, you win or fail in the long run by how good are you at acquisitions? Because people have this thought that I'll be able to fix it for less because these people don't know what they're doing. I'll be able to do it for less. And you can't, not in the long run. You might be able to get it one or twice, but eventually the market is right. And it will be correct. So you're only going to make the money if you bought it low enough. That's fat. So that's where I realized you got to do it. So I spent all my time prospecting, essentially. I'm constantly hitting new doors. My calendar's pretty full, so these people know I'm coming. But I'm talking to them, trying to negotiate, see if we can make things happen. And so to get in the door, if you don't have the ability to be go checking out a potential house on the Thursday afternoon at one o'clock because you're in court or you're in surgery or whatever, which a lot of my clients are buy it from a guy who can, which is what I mean when I sell a house to another investor, you know, you're in court all day. So I'll sell you this house and then you go run it out or do whatever you want. Um, there's certainly a lot of that in this industry where you get people that want to be partners, whether they bring the capital, the time or the knowledge to the table um, to be able to make things work. And then also on that note, the TV channels make it seem really easy to manage a crew, to do a flip, even be a landlord for that matter. It isn't. So if you have no idea how to do it, find a person who wants to be an equity partner in doing that with you. And the reason I stress an equity partner instead of a sales management company that you want to hire is because sales management companies typically get paid for placing someone and then get paid very little on the residual monthly, which means they have a better in investment actually to have tenants churn over and over, which is the last thing you want as a landlord. You want have tenants in there that do what they say, and they will do it for a long time. And very, very few people will actually do that. Uh, this, full disclosure, that's why it's hard. But to think that you're going to be able to know how to do that right away on your first couple you're not. It, it's a very required skill. And I would say partner up with someone who does know how to do with that in your local area, because it's a lot better to have a percentage of a successful entity than a hundred percent of a failure. And that's really at the end of the day, what these equity trades are going to get you. I'm 
given this guy this cut of the action, but I believe he's going to make it so we don't ever have to worry about the downside. And then from there, you, know, you just let the thing be on autopilot. That's the real goal is to be able to have a system in place to where it can kind of take care of itself. Like I don't need to be in the prospect machine. I just need to be in my car showing up at other people's houses. And then I need to know how to constantly be better at negotiating, which I do a lot of self-investment sales class and whatever to do that. But you need to know what you're good at, find people who are good at the other things that you aren't. And you're probably going to be different personality wise because of that. Because it's a very different personality, the guy who wants to hammer the internet to get your skills versus the guy who wants to talk to all the landlords and the tenants. And also, I guess as another example, be ready to live on commission. You know, go, I would say go all in. I know most people won't, uh, but go all in to that lifestyle of it's either going to live or die and I'm going to have to make it work. There is no alternative option. Again, most people will never do that. That's the scary part. That's why a lot of people don't become business owners, but it's what I would say to do. That's awesome. And that's brilliant. That's the most in-depth advice I've had here. Usually I get rattled off real quick and it's hard to grasp, but I I can grasp what you just said. So I think anyone listening can grasp it as well. I hope so. Sorry for going too long. Cut me off. I'm going too long. Sorry. That was good. I was was learning. I was writing notes. (laughs) Trying to write notes as you were saying it. That's good. Uh, Joe, thanks for taking some of your time tonight. Uh, before I let you go, how does someone get in contact with you? Maybe to pick your brain or have you on their show or even to see what you're doing in life. Yeah. So, so on, on the professional level to have me on your podcast, discuss stuff about real estate. Uh, it's number four, one, two homes at gmail.com. I'm not being creative. That is Pittsburgh's area code four, one, two, the word homes at gmail.com. And then as I mentioned on the top um, father and Joe podcast, where, you know, we call people, to, to explore better relationships and, and to just give one thing with that, if it's all right with you, you know, all of us have someone in our lives that we used to have a better relationship with than we have now. And I'd call you to literally call that person. Don't text them. Don't, don't tweet them. None of that actually call that person before today's over and, you know, just set something up, you know, go have a meal or whatever. Sometimes just a little chat. Because it's amazing if there was a divide, especially if it was far in the past, how your brain changes the history of what it really was. And the chances are likely if it was longer than three years ago, neither one of the two of you remember the actual way it happened. And you probably both put lenses on it that made you look better in a situation. Sometimes the best thing is just to move on, just try to find some new common ground. Sometimes it's a rehash out the issue but nonetheless the thing will never get better the relationship with that person will never get better if you don't make the call you know so many people say well you can call me well most people ain't ever going to call you you got to make the call to be the one to initiate the grace of moving the thing forward to get better and and all of us have relationships that they wish were better like that and all of us have that same capability of hitting a couple of numbers and hitting that little green button to call Outstanding. Thanks for sharing that, Joe. And uh, once again, it's Joe Rocky, host of the Father and Joe podcast and real estate uh, successful businessman from the greater Pittsburgh area. And he obviously loves the Steelers. So that's right. Thanks again for coming on, Joe. And you have a good night. Perfect. Thank you. You know how we do this. 
Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on Fit Nation. Fit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a supporter to help us carry this thing on. We appreciate you. If you know someone that brings that energy, has a great story, is an up-and-comer in any industry of music, in the arts, have them reach out to us on TheMisfitNation.com. We will get back to them within one day and get them on here so they can share their story with the world. As always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because we are... Fit, 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 fit Nation.